All right, let's get started then. Um, like last week, we're going to start on page 290, the second office of instruction, um, and do that little opening uh, prayer that begins on page 290 um, in the prayer book, page 290. And remember to say the people part nice and loud. Otherwise, the folks on the recording won't hear you. <laughs> Come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. Show thy servants thy work. And their children thy glory. Let thy merciful kindness, O Lord, be upon us. As we do our Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. Lord, hear our prayer. And let our cry come unto thee. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Almighty God, who has built thy church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the head cornerstone, grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their doctrine, that we may be made an holy temple acceptable unto thee, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, we can close this for now. Well, we're going to want to um, have that handy as we move on. But um, yeah, there are two handouts today. So one of those handouts is uh, just an outline of what we'll be covering today. And the other one is some cheat sheets for morning prayer and evening prayer. Now, um, it looks like, wait a minute, there's four things there. Why are you calling it two offices? One of them is, the, is using all of the options to abbreviate. And so it's the shorty, short, short version if you're actually doing morning and evening prayer. You can either do this one of two ways with the sheet I gave you. Can, you can either do a book fold so that you have morning prayer is page one, abbreviated morning prayer is page two. Yeah, just like, like what Jeff's doing right there. Or you can cut it in half and you have one sheet's morning prayer, one sheet's evening prayer. It works either way. Whatever you all want to do, um, it is yours for to help whenever you want to do this. Um, and, and, and if you find any mistakes on there, let me know. We can reprint this. This is an old file that I've uh, updated as we've moved things through. So, okay, so looking at our outline. Last week we mentioned that the Book of Common Prayer gives us a threefold rule of life. Anybody have kind of in your mind what a definition of rule of life is? How would you say, um, after, after kind of thinking about this over a week, what you might summarize a rule of life as being. Nobody. That's all right. You can, you can be a set of routines um, that's regular cadences that help you progress in your spiritual journey. Okay, routines that help you progress in your spiritual journey. That's a good one. That's a, that is a good one. So your, your rule of life is more than just the uh, spiritual disciplines because yeah. it's your whole life. That's actually um, a good point that we're not going to cover at all in this class. <laughs> but that's a really, actually a really good point. Thank you, Jeff. That's a really good point. Um, any, any, anybody else kind of have, uh, have the way they might summarize, you might summarize this concept? And if not, that's okay because Jeff, uh, Jeff showed us really well. Okay, so yeah, the rule of life. 
Um, it encompasses our spiritual disciplines. It um, is the way we're going to order things to help us grow in the Lord. Um, and we talked about last week that the prayer book has been described as having a threefold rule of life. So kind of three components to the prayer book's rule of life. And, and again, this is something, because it is the book of common prayer, this is really our rule of life as a congregation, as a people here in this parish, um, individuals, but also communal. Um, so then that doesn't mean that anybody here is going to get a call from Father Isaac, did you do your daily offices today? That's never going to happen. But um, this, is, this is something that it will help us as we do these things together, especially as we really do them together, not just as individuals. So we have a threefold rule of life in the prayer book. We have the daily offices, and we do those daily offices how often? Daily. daily. <laughs> right. And, and actually twice a day. We do an office twice a day, right? Um, we're going to talk about how that came about in a little bit. Um, then we have communion, and communion is, um, per our prayer book, Sundays, major holy days. Um, our, our calendar, we're going to talk about that in, this in coming weeks, but our calendar really is a very um, modest uh, cycle of holy days. We don't want to crowd the calendar too much because that daily progress is um, we don't want to crowd it out, really. I mean, that's the big thing. And then number three is private devotions, and that can encompass a whole lot of other things um, that we'll, again, talk about in future weeks. Today, we're going to talk about the daily offices. So what we have in um, the old days of the church, and it continues on in some groups today, is um, among the monks, among those that are living the religious life, they would say, um, seven daily prayers get developed because the, the, the monk life is one that is constant prayer and work and more prayer and more work. I mean, that's really what, what the life of a monk is for, and um, especially prayer. So seven times a day. At the time of the Reformation, we talked about last week that the monasteries in, um, in, in, in the Church of England were um, abolished at the time of the Reformation. Um, we're not going to get into details as to whys and wherefores again, but um, we talked a little bit about that last week. But what happens is Archbishop Cranmer and the other framers of our prayer book simplify this monastic office down to two. Why do you think they wanted to simplify things from seven down to two? Just throw out a guess or if you remember from previous times we've talked about this. They want to bring to everybody, yeah. They wanted to make it something that everybody could do. It's not just the monks that should be praying. We all should be praying, and here's a way we can do so as a community. Because, you know, the monks, they prayed in community. Why can't the rest of us pray in community, right? So we simplify it down to two. We have morning prayer, evening prayer. Now, the, uh, the, the parish clergy are, in the old prayer books, obligated to do this. Um, this is something that they're supposed to do in the parish every day, unless there's a really good reason for it. Um, by the time it gets here to America, that's not really often done. You really only see that done in big churches and cathedrals and things like that. And even in, even in, in, um, in the mother church back in England, um, I'm not sure how often that ideal was that the, that the, that the parish priest would open it up 
every day um, and actually hold public services, whether they were attended or not every day. Um, I've been to the, the cathedral in Jerusalem, the Anglican Cathedral in Jerusalem. Uh, when we were there last time, we stayed very close. And they do have um, public offices every day. Even if the bishop's not there, some of the cathedral staff will run, run them for him. Or the dean's not there. Who, if there's not, even if there's not a clergyman there, some of the cathedral staff will run these for them. Um, that's kind of the ideal. Now, for the laity... Um, it's encouraged. Okay, you know, we, we, we're trying to do this at a time that's convenient for people to show up, maybe before work, after work, whatever. And, um, but nobody's, the, the laity were never obligated to pray the daily offices the way that the clergy were. Um, and what does happen is that the parish becomes the center of religious life post-Reformation rather than the monastery. Especially in the British Isles, the monastery had very much been that center of religious life, but it comes down to the local parish, um, whether it's the village church or the cathedral that still functions a lot like a monastery in some ways, things like that. Okay, what are the main features of our of our um, morning and evening service? And really, it's it's the same for both services. Let's turn to page three, and you can see how this will how this will roll for morning prayer. Actually, we're going to start on page five. We're going to skip all the opening sentences for now. Um, because the opening sentences really are kind of incidental. They're kind of an uh, introduction. They're not, they're not um, some of these super important parts. We've got first confession and absolution. We talked about last week how the prayer book makes us all together naked before God. We're very vulnerable before God, but we're vulnerable together. So confession and absolution, and this is a general confession, a general absolution, something that's done in public altogether. This is the, the idea of private confession really disappears for the most part at the Reformation. It's one of those things that you only see in special cases. So when someone's dying, he, he might make a private confession to the visiting priest. Or when someone's just really, really troubled, he's encouraged to go talk to his priest. And I was talking with another guy today, a um, little bit more on the Anglo-Catholic side than I am. And I said, you know, our formularies kind of want to wean you off of private confession. Because that's really there for the scrupulous and the, the person that really can't get their conscience clear. Our formularies kind of want to wean us off of it because we shouldn't be navel-gazing and scrupulous. And he says, yeah... Um, I would push back, but I agree. We're not supposed to be navel-gazing and scrupulous. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's a discipline. It can be done well, but oftentimes it does breed scrupulosity. What's scrupulosity? Um, you're just worried all the time that you're sinning. You just have this, this, this obsession with your own sins. Martin Luther had this problem. He would um, go to confession multiple times a day, and uh, eventually his confessor said, Martin, Brother Martin, leave me and come back when you actually have something real to confess. Um, <laughs> I mean, because Martin Luther suffered from this, and, and some pe other people do too. It's, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not an uncommon thing. Okay, confession, absolution, we are naked before God, but together. Next, we have the Lord's Prayer. And in the older prayer books, we actually had this several times, at least twice in the offices, at least twice in communion. Um, we only have it the one time in ours. Um, but yeah, the Lord's Prayer is that foundational prayer you're supposed to learn in, in catechesis. As a child, as you're growing up in the church, that's one of those basic things you need to know. Um, when the prayer book is being written, this is a society that's moving into literacy. 
you know, the printing press is relatively new at this time. Um, there's, there is a good amount of literacy, but it's not, it's not anywhere near as widespread as it would come in later centuries. And so one of the ways that you help the people pray in this semi-literate stage is you have some things that are repeated because they're going to memorize it and they're going to be able to join in, right? even if they can't read. So the Lord's Prayer um, comes next. And then after the Lord's Prayer, we've got the Psalms. And the psal reciting the Psalms really is the heart of the office tradition. The prayer book has always included all the Psalms, usually in, um, after the rest of the prayers, broken down in our tradition into 30 day, a 30-day cycle. So um, those of y'all that were in evening prayer, we only had one Psalm, but it was very, very long. Um, for this evening, because it's long, we only have one. <laughs> uh, on the uh, 20th day of the month, um, or is that right? Uh, anyway, later on, yeah, no, not the 20th day of the month. Psalm 120, when, when it starts with that after the long, Psalm, Psalm 119 is broken up into two and a half days because it's so long. But Psalm 120 and following, we get like six psalms per office for a day or two. So, I mean, just depending on how long it is. Um, in, in the old monastic days, some, some of the, the, the orders would do the whole Psalter every day. Some of them would do other things. But for us, our discipline was we're going to do it once a month. Jeff? Every day? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's some orders that were doing that. And, and it just was, it was a tradition that just wasn't consistent across. I mean, every order had their own rule. And so we can kind of see this as our own uniquely Anglican rule. But yeah, reciting the Psalms was always the heart, even back into monastic days of the office. Um, after the Psalms, we have our scripture lessons. For our reformers, this is the reason why we have the Book of Common Prayer. We talked about that a bit last week. But we want to get the, the scriptures to the people in the context of common prayer. So even if you can't read, you can go and listen, right? And every church, before we even had English prayers, every church had a big Bible in English. And they would chain it to the pulpit because it was so valuable, people would steal it if you didn't. Um, that was, that was, it was that important. Um, and before, before the Reformation, um, smuggling the Bibles, that was a huge business all throughout Europe, including in England. But the way we want to do the scriptures is it needs to be pretty simple so that you can understand it. You're not going to have to spend a ton of time figuring out what you're going to do. It should be um, pretty systematic. It should be in order for the most part. And it should be comprehensive. We should get most of the Bible. Um, we, we've never had any official office that gave us all of the Bible. That's a, actually, I've, I've done some, some daily office versions that tried to do that. That's a really tall order. Um, but, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll get most of the Bible. I have, uh, Jeff has, I gave him today to look over a prototype of um, using the, uh, the 1662 lectionary with our 1928 because our 28, like we talked about last week, the one in our books, it is not systematic, simple, or comprehensive. <laughs> it fails on all three points, but the old one from back in the day was more. I'll have that by the end of the class, one for all of each one of y'all, but um, I wanted Jeff to look at the uh, prototype because he and I have been talking about this for many weeks. Um, from there, we have the canticles. What's a canticle? It's a, it's a hymn, and most of these are either very ancient or they're from scripture. Um, if you turn to page 10, 
Well, we'll start with page nine. Page nine, we have the Venite. That's um, kind of the opening canticle before we even get to the Psalms. Um, and uh, that's a combination in our prayer book of Psalm 95 and Psalm 96. Um, page 10, after the Old Testament reading, we have a few choices. The first one is the Te Deum Laudamus. Um, that's like third, fourth century. It's a, it's a Trinitarian hymn uh, traditionally ascribed to St. Ambrose. Um, the Benedictus Est Domine, that's from the additions to Daniel in the, in the Apocrypha. The Benedicite Omnia Opera Domini, that's also from those additions to Daniel in the Apocrypha, um, uh, sometimes called the Song of the Three Children. Um, then you, you flip over for, for, uh, for after the second lesson, after the New Testament lesson, we've got the Benedictus, which is, a Saint, which is Luke 1, 68, the Song of Zechariah, um, or the Jubilate Deo, which is Psalm 100. Um, originally, we didn't have psalms as canticles, but that was a bit of a concession to some of the, the uh, Puritans that, that, uh, in, in the early days before they became separatists. Um, many, many, many at the early days of the, of the post-Reformation. Uh, in the um, in evening prayer, we've got two gospel canticles. We've got the Magnificat, which is the Song of Mary. We just sang that. The uh, Nunc Dimittis, which is the Song of Simeon. We sang that as well. Um, but these ancient hymns, often from Scripture or from the Apocrypha. Um, the, uh, the next major feature is the Apostles' Creed. We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed every day. Our prayer book gives the option to do the Nicene Creed. I don't know anybody that does that. That's a, that's a weird thing they did in 28. I don't know why. Well, I, I have some suspicions as to why they added it, but I don't know anybody that actually does that. Um, but the Apostles' Creed, that's our baptismal vows are based off, our baptismal beliefs are based off the Apostles' Creed. This is the creed that you're supposed to memorize as part of your catechism training. And then finally, um, a slew of prayers, intent, intercessions, thanksgivings, things that we're going to ask God for. Let's turn to our handout. So um, on the front of your little book fold, we have the order for worship uh, for morning prayer or matins. Morning prayer or matins. And um, this is going to give you the outline of the way we would do, we would do this at, in public worship here. There are some things that we wouldn't do all the time. Um, a processional hymn or a recessional hymn, we might not always do that. Um, the, uh, a homily is optional. We don't typically do that on Fridays or Wednesdays anymore, but sometimes we do. But this gives you exactly where everything is. When we get to... So opening sentences, you're going to choose either from the general or the seasonal ones. All the seasonal stuff is optional, by the way. Um, the exhortation, which is that call to confession, um, the confession itself. You'll notice on the exhortation there's an or. Our prayer book gives us a few options, and um, so you'll just pick one of those options. Um, the absolution. Now, the absolution is, is reserved for the priest, um, if you're doing this at home, or if we have a layman or a deacon leading this, um, the absolution is not said. Rather, the custom is that we would recite the collect for the 21st Sunday after Trinity. Let me, if y'all want to turn there, we can look at that real quick. So this is what you would do if you're doing the office at home with the, uh, with the, um, the full office at home. So the collect for Trinity 21... 
It says, Grant, we beseech thee, merciful Lord, to thy faithful people, pardon and peace, that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve thee with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So you can see why this would be a very um, good option instead of the, uh, the absolution if there's no priest. Um, that's a custom that arises in, in the Church of England in the 1960s when they did start to have a lot more um, lay people leading Sunday morning. They just didn't have enough priests at that time. So they had actually put that in the rubrics. Ours don't have it in the rubrics, but that's the custom that um, is recommended. The other option is you omit the absolution, but I don't think anybody likes that option at all. Um, okay, let's move forward. Um, the opening versicles, the glory, the Gloria Patri after the, uh, the uh, opening versicles in the Venite. I think that's actually, no, that's not, okay. The Gloria Patri, we say that a lot. We say that after each psalm. We say that after each canticle, with the exception of the canticles that are explicitly Trinitarian. Um, because what, what do we get from the Gloria Patri? That's the, when we say, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. What do we get? We get that Trinitarian context, right? Um, so we say that a lot. One of the reasons why that is said a lot after every psalm is, again, in that budding literacy, it's a way that everybody can easily memorize at least the very last bit of everything. Um, first lesson from the Old Testament or the Apocrypha, the first canticle, you've got some options. Second lesson from the New Testament, um, always from the New Testament, the second lesson. The second canticle, I have here the, traditionally the Benedictus. Um, the general custom is going to be, if you have an option for one of the gospel canticles, you, you, you choose that. Now, not everybody does that, especially in morning prayer, but I don't know anybody that uses the psalm options for the second canticle, for the canticles in evening prayer. Um, the Apostles' Creed and all the rest of these salutations. Let's open to morning prayer in your prayer book. So here's, here's your, 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 your cheat sheet. You get to a point where you're not going to need it as you, as you get used to it. This is really kind of something to help you when you're first learning. But you see these little, these little letters that are italicized and they have a paragraph marker. Um, for example, let's turn to page six. After the, you, you see at the top of page six, we've got the, the, um, uh, that exhortation to confession, kind of the second half of the long one. And then you have the little paragraph marker, tiny italics, or he shall say, let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. And then after the second one, it says, after the title, A General Confession, before the confession, we have this little paragraph marker, and it says, to be said by the whole congregation, after the minister, all kneeling. That's kind of the stage direction of the prayer book. That tells you what to do. We call that the rubrics, they used to, because it used to be printed in red. That's what rubrics means. So that tells you what to do. It's easy when you're doing the prayer book to ignore the rubrics because you're not saying them in church. But read the rubrics. It'll help you know what you're doing. And it'll help you navigate some of the options so that you don't need the, sheet, the cheat sheet. The more familiar you, are, familiar you are with the rubrics, the more you can be flexible. If you turn to the back of that page, so your book, your book full, this would be page one, um, this very abbreviated... So if you're doing morning prayer, expect about a half an hour for the, whole, for the full morning prayer, like on page one, um, more if you're going to add homilies and songs and things like that. But on the back here, we have a very abbreviated 
order for worship for morning prayer. That's basically if we take every option possible to abbreviate in those rubrics, just following the rubrics, doing what the rubrics say to abbreviate things, this is what you get. It's a lot smaller, um, 10 minutes, maybe 12, 13 at the most. And uh, so that, that's, that's, that's something that you can help kind of, uh, it can help you to move into the, the, the discipline of, of morning and evening prayer if you're not used to it. All right, we have a similar one for evening prayer. We're not going to go through each and every one of those lines, but um, um, again, oh, one other thing, the collect. Let's, so where am I? Um, collect for the day. So the psalms are not in line. They're in their own section, and the collects are in their own section too. So in evening prayer, I did the collect for Trinity too because this past Sunday was the second Sunday after Trinity, right? So what I do with my own prayer book is I, you know, my, mine has two, two bookmarks. One of those bookmarks is always at the collect of the day, because it's, because, and I move it at the next Sunday. The other one's going to be wherever I am in the service. That's just an easy, practical way to navigate things. If you don't have two bookmarks, I don't know, business card or something like that. Um, so yeah, the collect for the day and the psalms, you have to go look for them, but, um, but, but they're there. Okay. So we have, um, I've given you then the full version for evening prayer and morning prayer, as well as those super abbreviated versions. Let's get back to our little outline. I guess before we get into, into the outline, um, any, any comments, questions? I know I kind of zoomed through that, but uh, any, anything that y'all want to address immediately on this? Okay. I know that that's, that's kind of like drinking out of a fire hose a little bit. Let's talk about adapting this for family and individual use. Again, this is a rule of life that helps us bring Bible reading and prayer into our daily life, help us grow by that discipline of Bible reading and prayer. And the truth is, most of us are not going to be doing that in public. Almost none of us are going to be doing that in public more than once a week, right? You know, nobody's here every day. I'm not even here every day. Um, Maybe you're listening to it on one of the podcasts, and we can talk about that in a little bit, um, and that helps. But for most folks, you're doing it individually. So how do you adapt this discipline of twice-daily prayer um, for family life? Let's say you've never really done family prayer at all or individual prayer at all. How are you going to start? Well, first of all, I did give you that very abbreviated version of the office. And that's probably the most robust of these things. If you're not doing the full version, you know, taking some of these abbreviations, not even all the as abbreviated as it's here, but abbreviating it in some way as you learn the rubrics, that's probably your most robust option. Um, a bit less than that is going to be in the back of your prayer book, there is a family prayer section. Now, Really, until relatively recently, it wasn't common for individuals and families to do the offices, the full daily offices by themselves. That's what you did when you go to church. And you weren't doing that by yourself. So there were a lot of independent little devotional manuals that were published for different people. And um, those just kind of floated around. Different bishops might publish it for their diocese or certain uh, popular thinkers or something like that. 
Well, one of those ends up becoming the forms of prayer to be used in family in our prayer book. So this is like an appendix to the prayer book that in the 1928 revision they added so that we wouldn't have to look for these things on our own. The church gives us uh, an official, unofficial uh, set, of, set of family prayers. The, um, the first set that you have beginning at page 587 in the back of the prayer book, these are one of the most popular, or an adaptation of the most popular morning and evening family prayer devotions that would have been done historically. Like, this is the kind of thing that Jane Austen's dad would have led them in, them in back in the day. Matter of fact, I think this is the set that her, her dad used, according to the biographers, more or less, like with a couple of things. If you read through this, you'll notice it doesn't look anything like our daily offices. <laughs> it looks nothing like the actual offices. Um, because again, it's coming from some of that private devotions things rather than the daily offices themselves. But after that, beginning on page 592, we have these really, really short, this says a shorter form for morning and evening. And what you have there is the most bare bones skeleton of the daily offices you can have. You've got the Lord's Prayer, you've got a collect, you've got um, a closing prayer, and it says, oh yeah, read some scripture here somewhere. And so that's, that's, like, that's like the basic, basic, basic thing to do. Um, you'll memorize these very quickly. My daughters and I have been doing these before bed, right before as I put them to bed. I turn out the light, we say these together after reading something from the Bible, um, since before they knew what was happening. And you can add to this things from the offices if you want to kind of beef up things for, for an on-ramp into the daily offices. So you might add a psalm. You might do both readings rather than one reading. Um, you might add a canticle. You might add the creed, whatever. So um, I've given you some recommendations in the handout for, for adding to those skeletons of offices. But I think the most important thing from the, from the perspective of our reformers and, and what our prayer book is trying to get across in the discipline we get from the daily offices is really the psalms and the readings. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you're not able to do much of anything, but do one of the psalms, do one of the readings, maybe build it up to all the psalms and all the readings. Um, you know, and, and I must confess that evening prayer, if I don't do it here before I leave, is a full evening prayer service. That's, that's really hard because life gets to you when you get home at night, right? I mean, <laughs> you have to build it in somehow. So doing the super short thing with my kids right before bed, that's one thing. But actually doing a real office, that's just, I don't know, maybe once a week that actually happens if I'm not doing it here before I leave, leave, leave the church for the day. Um... But even if that's the case, I try to take 10 minutes out to, to read the Psalms for the day and read those readings. And some of that's because I really hate to skip and I don't want to play catch up. Uh, Martin Luther used to do that too, by the way. He would skip his prayers because he got too busy. Then he'd spend like two days straight trying to catch up on all of his prayers and readings. It was ridiculous. Don't, don't, don't be like Martin Luther in that regard. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the theme of the offices. Don't be like Martin Luther. <laughs> especially before the Reformation. Um, but yeah, so the, these, are, these are things to do. So the Psalms and the Scriptures are going to be the most important thing. 
but um, and gradually build up. It's okay if you're missing out on things. If you can't do two offices, do one office. If you can't do a full office, do an abbreviation. Um, I do. I would be remiss if I don't talk about the uh, the podcasts. Um, uh, Tina was asking me about that last week when I said that we're going to be switching to a, that more robust lectionary. She said, "Oh my goodness, we don't have a podcast for that." And, <laughs> And it's true. I mean, that's, you know, as in, in, my, in my other hat as a real estate appraiser, there's been many a times I say, okay, let me find an office podcast so that I can listen to it as I'm driving to, uh, to my first appointment because I know I'm not going to do it after my appointment and I didn't have time because I, I, as much as I wanted to, I didn't have time before my appointment, right? Um, one that uses the 1928 Book of Common Prayer as is, and they, they do a really good job, is the Cradle of Prayer. So that's that's one one of these podcasts, the Cradle of Prayer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For for the for the recording, so not only do they push it out to the podcast apps, but they also on their website. They have it on their website, and um, with the website for the recording, um, they do have it. Actually, you could just read along with them. So that's very helpful. Cradle, cradle of prayer, yes, like cradle of prayer. Um, my only complaint with the cradle of prayer is that they're using the 1928 lectionary. Of course they are. They should. They're using the 1928. Um, but it's a bad lectionary. <laughs> so that's not their fault. That's the lectionary's fault. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, one that might be, that I would recommend if you do want to use that more robust lectionary is a one that's called the 1662 podcast. Um, that's a relatively new one by a, uh, a, an online friend of mine, Richard Tarsitano. Any of y'all that were in, um, uh, some, some confirmation classes ages ago, that blue book is by his dad, Lou Tarsitano is, did the blue book. And that's a, that's one of those classics of, late 20th century um, catechesis. Um, but yeah, the 1662 podcast, um, and, and Richard is doing those in his church every day. He, uh, his, uh, his, I believe he has a rectory, so he actually lives, you know, walking distance from the church, like a two-minute walk from the church. And so he just, every day, they open it up, and they record it, and then they put it out on the podcast. Um, the only problem I have with that one is that sometimes it gets out a little bit later than I'd like because he is doing it every day. Like he's sending it to us after he's done it. So if I'm wanting to get it at 8 a.m., that ain't happening. But if I can wait till 10, it's pretty good. Jeff? By the end of the year, you'll have it all already out, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know if he'll just kind of recycle it for the next years. And, and the reason why... Okay, and 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 part of that is because of the nature of the of the 1662's lectionary, since it's based on the civil calendar, not the not the church calendar, which is what makes it a stable lectionary, by the way. Because I mean, for example, in um, the weeks after Epiphany, we have up to six Epiphany weeks in the prayer book, but the nature of the way that the the Easter cycle works is that. Some years, you're not going to do more than two weeks of Epiphany. Oh, we actually, that thunderstorm is actually coming in. Okay, we'll, we'll wrap up real soon. Um, so what readings are you going to assign to Epiphany 6 that you only see like every 50 years? I mean, what, what, points, what portions of the Bible are not important enough that you're only going to read it once every 50 years, right? 
you know, so, so that, that calendar, that civil calendar um, basis of the 1662 makes it a very stable reading plan. But that also means that, that someone like Richard has to continually do the podcast, unlike Cradle of Prayer, where theirs have been recorded ages ago. <laughs> That's why they can push it out two weeks in advance, because they did it years ago. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think they were doing those recordings before there was such a thing as a podcast on Cradle of Prayer. So, um, but those are two, two options for, for, um, for catching it um, through a podcast. Um, yeah, the 1662 podcast and Cradle of Prayer. There are some websites where you can get them and if you don't want to have your book with you. Um, I don't have any of those other than Cradle of the Prayer off the top of my head. Um, common pra common Prayer dot... Yeah, the ACNA has an app. Um, and they have a podcast. And that's completely going to be different from, from what we're using, yeah. Whereas the 1662 podcast, it's so close to ours that you're not going to feel that it's different. The ACNA's is a completely different approach to things. It's a very modern liturgy, not one rooted in, the, in, the, in, the, in Archbishop Cramer's thing. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's just as different. So many of us will not find that as useful um, is, is, is all, I'm, all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, those are things that you can use. The other thing is I will be um, starting to try to at least several times a week uh, live stream next year. Maybe, maybe I'll start experimenting with it in the fall um, as, as my schedule changes to, um, for some of my family life. Life, uh, life stuff is changing in my family, so I'll have a bit more availability with that. Um, okay, that's, that's really it for the how-to on the offices. This was a very, and, and a lot of the next couple weeks are going to be very much how-to things. They're going to be showing you the, 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 the outlines, a lot less theory, more here's how you do it. But in a, in a half an hour to an hour, we're not going to be able to get into too much details. That's why you have the cheat sheets. Uh, questions, comments at this point? Anything as we close up? this uh, on the offices okay so if there's anything to take home on this again use those cheat sheets get to learn them um, if you don't have a copy of the prayer book you can borrow one of those older ones on the shelf it's all good if you are getting confirmed or received you will receive one um, in September when Bishop Scott is with us and um, but the big thing is this is our vehicle for prayer and the scriptures and the Psalms all right, God bless y'all.